0: No matter what you're facing today, our podcast can help. Inquisitive, your miracle resource, is dedicated to providing a resource that will be a miracle for you professionally and personally. Maybe you want results but feel that you're fighting an uphill battle. If you're feeling that no one is listening or the problem with your coworkers and family are exhausting, join us for the podcast and on YouTube at Miracle Resources Media.
1: Welcome to Inquisitive, Your Miracle Resource, the podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Russin, and I'm here with Catherine Miracle today to discuss her book, Inquisitive Culture, Your Secret to Surviving Today's Workplace and Changing It. Catherine is the CEO of Miracle Resources and Miracle Resources Media. So today we're going to be talking and taking a deeper dive into one of her chapters. We're going to go over Chapter 13, Inquisitive Leadership. So, Catherine, this one caught my attention because I feel like it relates to our audience in the workplace, but also in our personal life. So can you tell me a story about leaders and how they can become more inquisitive?
2: Well, first, I want to thank you for interviewing me and also for picking this chapter. It means so much because when we look at culture and everybody, that's the buzzword, you know, for the last five years, everybody's been culture. And, you know, we've been working on it with our clients since 2003 And I think what's so important to remember for everyone who's a leader, you don't have to be a chief executive officer, no matter where you are and what you're doing, you're leading, you're leading in your personal and your professional life. Leadership really means making a difference. It means seeing a problem and fixing it. So I want to tell you a story. We've worked with over a thousand different CEOs and corporations and organizations, I want to share with you, since 2003, what I've learned is a four-step simple process. That simple process deals with being inquisitive. And we're changing the definition of inquisitive. A lot of you heard me say inquisitive or saw the book and thought, ooh, inquisitive people, they're annoying. That's not what inquisitive is. An inquisitive culture is observing and listening. So what happens in the workplace, and here's that story. Um, I'll never share names, but I've seen it happen repeat over and over. A problem happens. There is a problem. First thing, operationally, you look at it. That's step one. Gotta look at the operation of it. Okay. That's so important. But during looking at that problem and operations, really studying it, we have to be open with the people who are on the front lines who are dealing with this problem. We can't just go up to them and say, oh my God, what's going on? That's not enough. It's about listening and observing and being inquisitive. Being inquisitive does not mean, and here's a bad part of step one, that people make the mistake. What they do is they say in front of everybody, one person comes to them and says, hey, we're having a problem with this. And they put the whole group on a Zoom and say, it's come to my attention. That's a trigger. Don't do that. You really need to have the one-on-one conversations. I know it takes more time, but it's worth it because people have different perspectives on why this problem happened and then to step two, how to solve it. But that group dynamic that I love and Sarah, you love, we work with teams all the time. During a problem, especially when you decide the operations that you're gonna use to fix a problem, you need to talk to some key people and you need to talk to them alone. You need to watch body language Find out what's happening because the core of the real problem you're not going to get when you get everybody on a Zoom and say, It's come to my attention, and somebody has to tell me what's going on. People, some people like to tell on each other, some people won't tell on each other, and you need to get to the core of the real problem so you can do step two, which is again put a solution to it. Now, step three, you have to do a team charter. We have to get the team on board and in agreement that this solution is going to be what we go with. Why is a team charter so important? And we come in and facilitate these all the time at Miracle Resources. We love listening to teams, observing them, talking about the operations, going into the solution, and then writing a team charter, which is an agreement on how things are gonna flow. Here's an example. Sometimes mistakes are made, and we do a lot with advertising and marketing in our Miracle Resources brand. And what happens is, and this is sad, there's not a double check system. Now, Sarah, you're a chief creative officer. I look at your work, you look at my work. We have a team charter about that. We've always worked that way. We don't release anything until a second set of eyes look at it. If that's not in your team charter, what will happen is, is something gets released and it's spelled incorrectly. So one of our clients had a big ad that they bought in a major national publication and they had a typo in it. And my question was, do you have a team charter that says every time we create something, we're going to have a second and maybe a third set of eyes look at it. So step three is the team charter. So remember, first one is operationally. What's going on? What's the problem? Number two is the solution. Number three is a team charter. And then number four is the training around it. we got to effectively do role plays. We've got to do situational situations where we say, And I do love situational situations. And the reason I do is because sometimes when we put in an action, we may say we need to revise something. If we never test it, we're in trouble. Here's an example. In chapter 13, we talk about the fact that the customer feels they are always right. And a lot of brands will tell them, you are always right. When you tell a customer they're always right, or you even in your family, there's no boundary on something what happens is, is that a lot comes at you. So we do a lot of work with healthcare and hospitality. So our training and role plays have helped us to deal with the customer who comes in angry, the customer who feels that they are always right. You've got to be able to communicate with them and to practice that, you'll feel much more comfortable. So Sarah, I think those four steps, that's the reason we've had the success in working with teams. But again, we're never going in and telling what to do. We're being inquisitive by listening and by observing. So thank you for that question. That's a good one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, to kind of loop into this, you've worked with over a 1,000 CEOs and a 100,000 leaders have trained in the national training program, Brand Plus Team Equals Revenue, and it's worked. So what have you learned through doing this work? I think the biggest part
2: is letting people understand that they don't have to be perfect. And that's probably not an answer you hear from most leadership advisors and consultants. Um, We know that there are going to be times that mistakes happen, or in the process, someone feels uncomfortable with doing something. I would much rather have someone on my team come to me and say, I don't feel like this ad looks right, or I feel uncomfortable about this part of the training. I'd rather work on it than go in and make a mistake. And so, perfection. And high quality, which is something we all want, means we have to dissect it and look at it. So asking someone if they feel comfortable with the training that we provided is very different than what Miracle Resources Brand Plus Team Equals Revenue does. We teach you, we go through the training, we have you work on it with us, and then we test it. So it's not just like, oh, I came to a training today. It was really great. It's let me test it. And Sarah, you brought up earlier the personal and the professional. A lot of times we'll have people test inquisitive questions um, with their family and then with their coworkers, and then they test it with their customers. So here's a great example. You know, I do coll- I'm a college instructor in addition to owning the company. And I will say to a student in the old days, before I understood and did all this research, I would say, so what's going on with your homework? Or what happened? Why isn't your homework in? Wrong question. An inquisitive question is what is preventing you from completing your homework? And then they tell you what's going on. And then maybe you can provide resources or solutions. So it's the same thing when we work with our kids. You know, if I say to my kids, why did this happen? That's very different than saying, what's preventing us from getting to where we want to be? That's the key. And so I just have loved working since 2003 with probably about 1,000 now more CEOs and leaders and then the training of 100,000 professionals. And we've actually surpassed that because we're qu- coming up on our 20-year anniversary. So, Sarah, I know because you've been in trainings with me, you know you would probably agree it's that moment where you realize, okay, we asked the right question. We got to the core of the problem. What are your thoughts?
1: Yes. A hundred percent. I've watched it happen to where you, if you ask the right question that allows it to open the door, you will see the results happen, especially if you practice it in your personal life. It seems though, when you not challenge somebody, but when, when you initiate it and tell the people that this, this helps you in your personal life, it seems to open the door and make them understand it better as well. That translates to professional life. Well said, Sarah. Oh my gosh, that was perfect. I loved how you said that. Thank you. So my final question for you is, what can leaders do to create a more inquisitive workplace?
2: I think the professional development on a weekly basis is important. And I know for some teams, that sounds like a lot, but most of our clients meet with us once a week. We do a Zoom or we do a Teams and we do a quick half an hour or 15 minute professional development. We'll take a look at one thing that's maybe a burning question or maybe um, something people want to know about. You know, um, in November, we were covering in December of uh, 2022, we're covering AI because everybody's like, how is AI going to impact us? You know, we have to provide in professional development, not only the soft skills, but also some of the training and the understanding of how things will be used but also really to help people change a mindset. During the pandemic, we found this so much. The mindset during the pandemic of just everything's bad. Everybody's going to die. I can't do this virtual. This is going to, we're going to lose money. It's again, not toxic positivity because that doesn't work, but actual, here are the steps. We created them together. Let's move forward. And that's why our clients are thriving, because they looked at with us, what are their concerns, and then changing the mindset. Simple example, um, you know, I had the opportunity to help a family member um, clean out their home and before they moved. And you could look at that and say, Catherine, why would you spend your time doing it? Well, my joyful mindset that I want, my positive mindset is I'm going to get a good workout. I got a great workout. So again, we could look at something we have to do with just, oh, I have to do this. It's horrible. We've got to find the positive in it. And sometimes the positive is just, it's going to get us to the place where we need to be. But when we're not checking in with our people, when we're not um, engaging with them on either a weekly or at least a monthly basis or twice a month, we're, we don't have the temperature of what's going on. And especially for our CEOs, you know, it's very important that they see that interaction. And that's why I love virtual presentation because everybody's in chat and, you know, the CEO and the leadership can see people answering questions and they get to know people. And we have part of the time we share, but then we also use chat and maybe we're reading a book together. Like inquisitive culture is used each chapter, each week for many of our clients. And again, as the author and the facilitator, I'm there to answer questions, but everybody's read the book. They come with questions. We talk about it and we learn about each other. That's how you're a team. You can't be a team and not know about each other. So professional development training, even if it's, I do with one of our clients, um, mocktail cocktail, and it's 15 minutes a week, 15 minutes a week, but we all get together and it's actually just fun. Um, But we do have a little training topic and we talk about it a little and we're reading a book together. So Think about what that 15 minutes a week could do or that half an hour a week or even twice a month. It changes the dynamic and the team bonds because that's team building. It's not that you have to go out and do a ropes course. It's you have to have consistent training and learning
1: each week
2: or each month or twice a month. So thank you, Sarah. Yeah, I
1: think that is the key is the consistency because so many things can happen in a matter of two weeks. I mean- That's what can flip you over. So it's always good to check in with your team. It's great to break those barriers and to be able to have those chats with those higher ups. I feel like it breaks the wall and you can come to them more than it being an intimidation factor. I feel like a lot of people are intimidated to talk to their leadership, but when their leadership provides an open space, that's when you can really get results out and really work on your team. Oh, Sarah, you said that so
2: well. I wish I would have said that. People really are intimidated. And I remember being a younger employee before I started Miracle Resources and being so nervous and thinking, what was I going to say to our CEO? You know, I mean, how I, people are really nervous and they get a little tongue tied. And when they see someone on a call and they're seeing progress, so I want to talk just for a moment about surveys. I think surveys are very important. I really like anonymous surveys. I think it's important we know what's going on. Again, I have worked with leaders who have told me in the past they didn't handle a situation and somebody resigned. Somebody good resigned. They didn't want to resign because the employee felt like nothing happened. But on the flip side, because again, on the side of the CEO, the CEO sometimes wants to be included in things um, like social events. Sometimes that's not Inclusive culture talks about that. You know, we really have to understand who we're working with. And I think sometimes there's a lot of blogs and podcasts out there that are very against the leader, whereas I say it's accountability on both sides. As the employee, I have a commitment and an accountability. So does the CEO. The more we understand each other, the better. But I do think that when leadership is left out, and again, people are telling the leader, everything's fine, everything's fine. You know, when you do professional development and you do training and you're seeing everybody, you find out more, people feel more comfortable. And Sarah, you said it best because people are truly intimidated. And that doesn't work because if people are hiding problems, then big problems happen.
1: Absolutely. That's That was one of the major milestones that I've experienced in my life is that I used to be intimidated by the leadership and the folks that I've worked with before. And one day I just decided, you know, I woke up and I said, you know what, they're just a person too. They've made decisions that have brought them great success and I've made decisions to work with them. So I'm going to approach them professionally, but I'm going to approach them. And I've had so many of my leadership come back and say, you treat me like a, like a person. And it's, you know, I understand that some people need to walk on eggshells, but that leader felt so noticed by me just coming up and saying, hi, I know I work for you, but that's okay. We could talk. There's nothing scary here. We're just folks that are happy to be in the same life. So it's very interesting to me when someone says that they're intimidated by leadership and I've told them before, they're just a person too. And a lot of times that breaks the barrier. And I think that that's something that's definitely coming forth now. With all these culture shifts going on in the workplace, I feel that a lot of barriers are starting to break down. And it's not, it's not rude or mean in any way for you to talk to these leaders. It, you could still be professional in that manner.
2: Sarah, you said that so well, and you made me think of something. A CEO that you and I both know. Um, I remember that the team was planning a fun event, and Miracle Resources was also invited to the fun event. It was kind of like an employee happy hour thing, and they hadn't invited the CEO. They did not think he would want to attend. And he said to me, "You know, hey, I I really would like to attend. I think." And I said, "I know they would love for you to attend." but they thought you were too busy. He attended and he was the most fun person in the room. So <laughs> I think that that that's really interesting that you said that because um, if you remember in one of the stories in the book, it was one of our clients, they were having um, kickball or baseball or something and it was the um, employee's team and they wanted um, the leadership to play on the team. And what I kind of had to barrier between the two Was by listening to both sides, employees didn't understand why the leadership team um, who had founded the company, and they were definitely over 50 years old, all of them on the team, they didn't understand why those, the men, mostly men, and some women would not play on the kickball and baseball team. And then when I interviewed leadership and said to them, hey, you know, do you think that, you know, you want to play on that? They were embarrassed because, so they were, They felt like I'm going to break a leg like playing kickball and, you know, I, I'm not, you know, in good enough shape to play baseball. So what I posed was options to optimal solutions. And I said, OK, well, what if you guys come and you bring food or what if you guys are, you know, um, you know, on site and congratulating everybody? But, you know, you, if you don't want to play. And then when I explained that to the employees, they were like, oh, okay, I thought they just didn't want to be with us or they were too good or something. So this is what I mean about inquisitive questions. Instead of just saying, well, why aren't you in the baseball team? It's like, well, what things would you like to do at the baseball game? Well, I don't want to play baseball, but that's what leadership said. But I would love to set up, you know, a little table and like cheer on the team or stop by. So I think that's the part we make assumptions. And that's our problem. And remember what's most important. In inquisitive culture, it's getting a culture of people who are listening and observing. They're solving problems quicker because of great inquisitive questions. And they're getting to the core of the problem quicker. They're also enjoying really working together more. And yes, this does apply to our families as well. It really is important. I was in a team meeting and I heard someone um, ask a question. They were a newer employee and the newer employee said, well, I'm having trouble getting this done. And another employee jumped up and said, oh, I got it done. Okay. So what does that do to the new employee? They feel like embarrassed. They feel that they maybe are doing something wrong. And in the back of their mind, they're saying, I will never, ever ask a question or tell a problem again. I'm going to get this solved on my own. Now, in some cases, solving it on your own is a good thing. But this person was definitely reaching out and got shut down because someone else said, oh, well, I got it done. So again, if somebody doesn't have the right training and you hired them and you're upset because they're supposed to have the training, that's a whole different story. But I would rather have an employee or a team member come to me and say, hey, um, this did not work. We weren't able to get this done. Okay, let me fix that before it snowballs and gets bigger. So thank you, Sarah, for reminding me of that one. That was a good one.
1: Yeah, that is a really good story because that is something that I feel that is very strong in the workplace that it's often your expected perfectionism, but that dehumanizes you by doing that. And I feel as though it should be okay to grow. It should be okay to go back and learn and to perfect something to optimize it. And
2: Sarah, I wanna thank you because you reminded me of something. My undergrad degrees, I've uh, uh two majors and two minors, and one is um in like advertising journalism. I took all these different crazy classes as a minor. And I will never forget what our advertising promotion instructor taught us, and why this applies to all of you. She said, "We advertise to the person that that your customer wants to be." This is why when we have people who buy cars they can't afford, they're buying for the person they want to be. It is the same thing when we're working on teams and working with people. People perceive themselves. One way. And when you say something that counters that, when a leader says something that counters that, then that person is like, well, hang on for a second. That's not who I am. Quick example. Um, I was attending a meeting and I attended the meeting five minutes early. Usually I get on about 15 minutes early. I got on about five minutes early and the person said to me, Oh, I was worried about you. I thought you forgot. Now, in my mind, I don't forget I try my best to give my best. I, that's who I want to be. First off, I wasn't late for the meeting. I was five minutes early instead of 15 minutes early. And I I almost felt like saying, well, have you met me? Like, have I ever been late for a meeting? So again, you're saying in front of a group of people, oh, I thought you forgot. And it's like, what? Have you met me? I, I mean... I'm not perfect. Have I ever forgotten things? No. But when you look at who you want to be, you don't want to say things to people that can make them feel like they made a mistake. And again, when you have people who are really trying and working so hard, again, you never want to put them in a place of believing something that isn't what they believe about themselves. This is why you need to get to know them. So look at your top performers in your company. And I'll use this example. Your top performers in your company aren't late to meetings. They are the people who are going above and beyond. And if you make it sound in front of a bunch of people that they're not doing that, don't think that that's not going to hurt in the end. And I've seen this with teams. I've seen people who maybe weren't appreciated or were embarrassed by something that was said in the meeting. And three months later, they're gone. And it's like, oh, my gosh, they left. And we all know that that one thing led to them thinking, well, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. So if you want to keep people, you need to check in with them. And remember what my advertising promotions teacher taught me when I was in my undergrad. People believe things about themselves. And when you destroy that belief, they lose hope. They also can turn against you. So please remember, this applies for your teamwork. It also applies in your personal life. So thank you for letting me tell that one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think this has been a really great interview and I... Encourage people to pick up Inquisitive Culture. You can learn so many things, and this was just us deep diving into one chapter. So, this is just a plethora of knowledge and information, and we will have up where you can purchase Inquisitive Culture. Um, And we also have a little bit of news for Catherine um, regarding Miracle Resources Media. Um, That's her latest brand. (laughs) Do you want to talk a little bit about?
2: I do, I do. But Sarah, this is so you as well. This is something Sarah and I have wanted for a while is to really dive into some projects that we want to do. Um, You know, we do a ton, ton of work um, for our clients in marketing public relations and then the national training program, Brand Plus Team Equals Revenue. But there are some select projects and select people that we would love to use our money Um, and create. So things that we're not getting paid for are some of the things you'll see, like our new leadership series. Now, I made a decision when we were about 15 years old. Do we as Miracle Resources want to start a foundation or do we want to put out to the world different people who maybe aren't famous, but this leadership series, you can learn from them. So when you look at the first one, which is Bruce Akers, my mentor, you know, although not a national celebrity, there is no one who has changed my life more than Bruce Akers, my professional life. To hear his stories, and he's 90 years old, he's amazing, community leader, difference maker, man of faith, unbelievable. You're not going to see us interview celebrities. We're going to interview the people who are important, the people who help. And we're going to have an audience on this leadership series of people who really wanna learn from these people. Now, there are gonna be some docu-series, there are gonna be some documentaries, there are gonna be some fun things, but Sarah and I, over all of these years working together, What is important and what do people need? And that is why Miracle Resources Media is created. Just like Miracle Resources, Marketing, Public Relations, just like the National Training Program, Brand Plus Team Equals Revenue, and now Miracle Resources Media. And of course, the Communication Concierge, my public speaking. We're always going to go with what is needed. And again, we're going to get you to people who've done it who you can learn from and will help you succeed. So that's our goal and that's our plan. And we launched Miracle Resources Media in August of 2023.
1: Yes, absolutely. So keep an eye out. Um, Catherine's got the logo right behind her. So you guys can hop on over and check it out. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me, Catherine. And uh, I guess we'll see you here next time on Inquisitive, Your Miracle Resource Podcast.
0: for joining us for inquisitive your miracle resource our team would love to grow your brand team and revenue please reach out to miracle resources website to learn more about our national training programs brand plus team equals revenue has 30 different programs that can be delivered as a workshop lunch and learn keynote speech or convention education session for more details. Contact Catherine Miracle at km at miracleresources.com.